Hello everyone and welcome again to the second episode of the Grey Avenue podcast. Today we have the most interesting guest in the podcast already. Indeed and we do. As well, Kanan is joining me. Afternoon ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if it's afternoon, we're doing this at <laughs> night. Dad, no it's not, it's definitely quarter past ten, it's eve- yeah. late evening. Yeah, so how do you spell your name, Kanan? Is it Kanan Gaind? Gaind. Gaind. Kanan Gaind is joining me tonight. <laughs> which is my co-host and my flatmate, it happens. <laughs> so this episode, we had the most interesting person I've ever seen in my Listen, life. Listen, I've traveled a bit. I've met a few people, but this guy takes the cake. He's easily the most interesting human I've ever managed, <laughs> I've ever traded stories with. You'll okay. hear it. He's I'm, got I'm stories gonna, from everywhere. I'm, I'm just going to point out the, the kind of the highlights. This guy, his name is Brian Fletcher. He left the, uh, the United States five years ago and started traveling. He worked in San Francisco, Silicon Valley for a bit and then left for Japan. But before that, he walked 10,000 kilometers. In how many months was it? A lot. Uh, but yeah. I, mean, I think it was six months. You listened to it, to the whole story. No the days off. Yeah, yeah. No dude, days off every day. Every day. He walked, no hitchhiking, nothing. And also he... And the reason was, when we asked him, just cause. Just, just because. Just, yeah. just because. He, he, he likes moving. And he has one fear, and you're going to hear it in the podcast. I'm not going to point it out now. Uh, and also, he lived in Japan for some time. And then after that, he moved to Cape Town. And the reason he left Japan is also really interesting. He shared a lot of stories about Japan. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And he cycled when he uh, arrived in South Africa. He cycled from Johannesburg to Cape Town, which is 2,000 kilometers. And that is how our path crossed. Yeah. <laughs> and that is how he ended up on the podcast. Yeah, that um, is why he's here. And that is the reason why the podcast exists, because we want to share this kind of stories, you know? Uh, we won't give you any more on that, but uh, he also mentions where else he's travelled. He's travelled extensively, so yeah. it's good to hear his yeah. stories from and we're about we, different cultures. He stayed with us for uh, for three nights, I think. Yeah, and we hiked together, like a sunrise hike and... Um, yeah, we hiked one day and I was done. Yeah, so yeah. he done it for <laughs> done it for months. And yeah. So he's the bike guy. He just travels with a little bit of stuff and that's it. And he talks about one thing that is more interesting to me. It's funny. It's called Tenga in Japan. Should we talk about it? Or I think we no. Listen? We won't talk about it. Before you listen to the podcast, what I need you to do is open up Google and Google Tenga, Tenga yeah. and then, then watch the podcast. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Ah, thanks for having me. And nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Very interesting human being, eh? Thank you. Uh, So to start with your story, you're a cyclist. Right now, I am cycling. Yes. Yeah, you just cycled from Johannesburg to Cape Town. Yes, I started in uh, Johannesburg. Yeah. And just arrived in Cape Town yesterday. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, how the heck do you do you manage to do that? Well, my big goal for this uh, trip, this yeah. journey, was uh, to kind of not do anything special. So, I had just the bicycle that I had, and I decided to use all the same gear that I normally have for hiking. I just put it all on the bicycle, found ways to kind of strap things on. Again, nothing special on my bicycle, nothing special with my equipment, didn't buy anything, just took what I had, strapped it onto the bicycle, and said I would start riding. Yeah. Um, I was a big cyclist before, um, 
I would always cycle around. I used to cycle in Japan. Um, it was a lot different when I strapped some gear on there and started riding. So starting in Joburg, um, starting off I could do just a couple, uh, maybe 50 kilometers a day, and I would really start to hurt. And so I, I took it slow for a little bit and started speeding up as I got more and more comfortable on the bike. Right. And then it became really easy and really fun. I could just get on the bike and cruise. And to me, it's been about uh, meeting people. And so I've met some awesome people around here in, in South Africa. They've been so nice. Right. And so I've just really had a lot of fun with it. All right, interesting. Um, we're going to get back to that story a little bit in detail. But uh, how, where are you from originally? I'm from the United States. I'm from Ohio, state right. of Ohio. And for how long have you been traveling? I've been traveling around for five years now. Oh, so when, when last were you in the States? I was there two years ago, uh, okay. kind of in between uh, some... Mm. Some different adventures. So. Yeah, and what? Why did you lift and travel for that long? I mean, five years is such a long time. Well, you know, when I left my first trip, uh, I just finished a, a contract job, mm. and so when my contract was up, I right. had this idea: I would go on a five-week travel trip, mm. and then I would come back and find another contract and continue working. So I left my apartment, I sublet it, and. Uh, you know, still held all my furniture and everything there. I left, and I did not come back. I had to call up a friend and tell him I was not going to come home, and he packed up all my things in that apartment, and I just kept on going. And so, I don't know when I started. Uh, I thought I would just be going on a short trip, and here it is five years later, and I can't imagine myself any other way. This is how I've, how I've always wanted to be. Uh, and so I've just been having fun with it. Uh, for for how long? I mean, how many countries have you been? Or where did you go first before, uh, right after you left? So I started, uh, I flew into, basically, I decided I would take the cheapest flight I could. Mm. And so at the time I was living in Florida, I took a flight down to El Salvador. It was 60 US dollars. Wow, okay. And... So that was that was the first country I started off with, and um, I travel slow, so I'm not you know out there collecting stamps or anything. So went from El Salvador into Guatemala, right. and um, ended up finding a job there. Uh, I was there just hanging out, taking some Spanish lessons, and learned about um, or my roommate, who I was living with at the time. She had a party. This guy was just like, yeah, we need a computer teacher. Hmm. And I was just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so I got a job as a computer teacher, and I ended up hanging out there for uh, a little over two years. Yeah. In between that, I got to do a little bit of traveling up into Mexico, uh, all through Central America, Honduras, Nicaragua, um, down into Colombia, and Peru. Right. Then finally, when I did leave, uh, which... I was able to stick around there for so long just because I had summer breaks and winter holidays so mm. I could uh, get all that traveling in. And finally, once I did leave, I went down to Brazil, spent five months in Brazil, then went out to New Zealand, spent another five months there. Right. Then I went out to 
Japan after that. And ended up spending a little over a year there. All right. And so now I'm here. Finally, in yeah. Cape Town. Um, okay, before we get back into the travel stories, uh, how, how did you grow up in the States? Tell me a little bit about your childhood. A little bit about the States. Um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I grew up in a suburb of a big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pretty normal. Went to uh, went to high school. Went to university. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, pretty typical life, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up uh, always wanting to move. Always loved traveling. Um, but I never grew up camping. I never grew up outdoors. These were not things that uh, I ever grew up with. And now they're basically everything I do. I camp and tent. Yeah. Most of the time now. I mean, so I don't know. I I don't know where it came from. It certainly wasn't. I grew. I didn't grow up spending time in the outdoors. But so you wasn't traveling when you were you were younger. No, no, I was not traveling at all. Um, you know, my family's very typical American. They've never really left the states. We'd go mm. to the beach, do a little beach trip every <laughs> once in a while, on right. summer holidays. But that was about it. Right. And what did you study in in university? Uh, I studied um, electrical engineering. And Ohio University? Or? Um, well, I I went to three different universities, but I ended up graduating from uh, Georgia Tech University. Oh, right. It's kind so, of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I did the typical, uh, went out and went to a university mm-hmm. and just couldn't afford that one, moved to more of a commuting university, and right. there I started working as an... Uh, as an intern and from there I was able to get a job with this company and so they moved me down to Atlanta yeah and I just uh, finished finished university while working full-time and so that's how I got my five years in with the company yeah and when I graduated I was made redundant oh. <laughs> so it was at the same time I had uh, graduated and they paid for my university and then they gave me a check and said have a have fun all right. So I started having fun. Cool. Uh, that was your first job in your life, or you have no, no, heck no. Have you done some hectic, rough jobs before? Um, I wouldn't say any hectic, rough jobs before, but uh, no, I, I grew up working. Uh, I actually got my first job when I was fourteen, working at a fast food restaurant. Okay. Uh, oh, what fourteen? Yeah. Wow. And. Yeah, so I I'd pretty much always had a job uh, up until I was made redundant. So all throughout you know high school, university, I was working. All right. Uh, so when you mean you were redundant in that sense, you mean you weren't hireable because of that company? Oh no, um, I never know what term to use anymore. In the United States, we we use the term uh, laid laid off. Laid off. Yeah. Okay. okay. And a lot of the people use the term made redundant, so I never know which one to use anymore. I understand more the laid off. Thing. Okay, I was laid off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was a tough one. Where did you struggle after that? Uh, no, it was it was great. Um, so they gave me the option to move somewhere else with the company, and it just made it really easy to say no, I don't want to do that, but mm. now I can do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, that's when I just started experimenting. I started just doing things. I was mm. just like, I'm going to move to a city that I've never been to before. And so I just 
packed my backpack and went out to uh, San Francisco right. and found a job there and you know found an apartment and pretty much everything was good mm. and so as soon as that started I was like this is too easy let's try something new yeah and so that's when I actually went to hike the Appalachian Trail in the United States uh, so I just basically quit my job didn't tell anybody what I was doing and went down to uh, Atlanta Georgia yeah. and I started walking on the Appalachian Trail and that was five months and 3,500 k's of uh, walking in the mountains. What did you do that with? I did it by myself, uh, but there are tons of people around. Okay. Um, so there's kind of like this window that everybody goes starting in, in springtime, and mm-hmm. so I just I started at the typical time and just started meeting people. Um, so <laughs> to come up with those kind of ideas... What way, what have you been your what have been your mindset in, in terms of what did you want to achieve? Usually people have these things of they want to work and save money and buy a house or whatever. Usually typically that's what most people aspire to do. None of that comes in my like brain at all. None no. of that even I don't even think about it. Um, like I said, I just started thinking what what situations could I throw myself into and yeah. succeed? And so I'd never really camped before, I'd never really done any hiking before, but mm. something just drew me to it, this idea of constantly moving. So my goal was just to do it, um, not for any other reason. I didn't even tell anybody because I felt like if I did, then I would be doing it for them, yeah. And you know, because you don't want to let everybody else down. So yeah. I didn't tell anybody for quite a while, um, almost a month. Mm. Uh, I think I called my mother about a week in, and I let her know, but everybody else just kind of... I just assumed I was working. And oh, okay. <laughs> so I just started doing it, and it just felt so good. Um, so you walked for three months? No, that was five months. Five months? Five months. 3,500 kilometers. Jeez, man. Did you have a set target of saying, this is how far I want to go, or you just, you just kept on going? Oh, no, it's an official trail. And so it, it's an officially marked trail. Uh, it, it goes for... Uh, 3,500 kilometers officially in the mountains um, ah. woods and everything and so it's a pretty pretty normal thing a lot of people do it in the states uh, starting around March or April and yeah. finishing around September uh, so how do uh, you survive in the five months like what do you eat I back then I would just buy some noodles and like a can of tuna yeah and basically I could cook with that um, peanut butter right. cheese Oatmeal, bread, mm. everything. Pretty yeah. much anything I could eat, I did. Uh-huh. Uh, my record was I was able to do uh, 4,000 calories, 4,000 calories in about 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, eating two liters of ice cream uh, right. with peanut butter, chocolate, everything else inside of there. Yeah. I ate everything I could. That's what I did. Right. And how many days could you take without taking a shower right there? Ooh. <laughs> My was record was two weeks. <laughs> Without a shower at all? Without a shower at all. Oh, man, that was wild. Although I jumped in some rivers pretty often, yeah, so, yeah. you know. Uh, no, so, um, you know, it started off every time I would get to a town, which yeah. would be every three days or so. I would want to get, a, like, a hotel room. I'd want to, yeah. you know, get a shower, wash my clothes. And then I started realizing... But as soon as I do that, I get dirty again. Yeah. Everything smells again. And so I just stopped. 
it just was easier. <laughs> All right. And so, and uh, what did you miss in those five months? Like, where you, did you get to a point where, in the middle of, of the trip, you're like, "Oh my, f- damn it!" Never. Really? And so that was a scary part for me, actually, because a lot of people did and. It, I didn't even feel that at all. The whole time I was like, this is the best thing ever. Mm. And so that was kind of when I knew something's different. Uh, and so, yeah, I never felt at all um, like I was worried or thinking about other things or wishing I was somewhere else. Yeah. I actually, before I started, because it was my first time doing something like this, I wrote down a list of like kind of some some things that I didn't like or something to kind of just, I don't even remember what I put on it anymore, yeah. but it was just some things that in case I was in the middle and I was losing sight of what I was trying to do, I had this little list and I could look at it. Never even had to think about it because I mm. was just so enjoyed, just enjoyed it so much, I had no problems. Wow, man. <laughs> uh, and I was fast, you know. Yeah. Uh, I started and I just kept picking up. I was well known for being very fast. Uh, right. And we have names on there, and so my name happened to be Red Bear. Red Bear. Red Bear. Okay. And so everybody kind of knew Red Bear, and I'd show up, and yeah. people would be like, you're the Red Bear we've heard of. And I'm like, hey. What is the name of the trail you took? It's called the Appalachian Trail. Appalachian? Yeah, Appalachian. Or oh. Appalachian, some people say. Oh, Appalachian Trail, okay. Yep. Okay, is that, what, what, which part of the United States there? So it runs through the eastern United States, mm. uh, from basically Atlanta, Georgia, and then it runs all the way up through 14 states and yeah. ends in Maine. So you went through 14 states? Yeah, walking. 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 No hitchhiking. No hitchhiking. And Damn it. Um, if you haven't... Well, people will learn. I have a lot of demons inside, and there was no way I could skip even a step. And so, for instance, um, when, when you would get to a road... Mm-hmm. You would ha- you would hitchhike into a town, yeah, and then you would hitchhike. You buy some food, and then you'd hitchhike back to the, yeah. the road. And so, when you hitchhike, you get picked up on one side of the road, yeah. and then you dropped off on the other side of the road. I would walk back to the first side of the road, yeah, just so that I could say I walked every <laughs> single step. What? <laughs> that's that's exactly it. for me. If I didn't do that, I would have given up somewhere along yeah. the way because then I wouldn't have felt this continuity yeah and so that was the goal I guess and if I set myself up for something hectic as I mean I've never done something so extreme like that but they are things that I set up to do and I kind of lose motivation for it for after a few days I can try to promise myself that I want to be able to wake up at 7 every day and I just can't do it mm-hmm. you know that consistency is hard like how do you keep that motivation from the beginning to, to the end and so that's the thing. And normally, I feel in, in your normal part of day-to-day life, you, mm-hmm. you make this goal that you want to do, but you can't base your life around it. Because, well, you can. And if you do, that's how you succeed. Mm-hmm. But if you don't change other parts of your life, you're not going to be able to just do this one part. And so doing that, I had to change my whole life. You, you know, I had this backpack, yeah. and I had to move. And if I didn't move, well, I couldn't eat because I had this much food to get me to this spot. If I wasn't waking up at this time, if I wasn't walking this mm. fast, I you know, I wouldn't get there. And yeah. so my whole life was based around these decisions that I had to do and so it just it was very easy to do them because there was no other options really. The only other option was just completely giving up. And I don't know. 
All right. Okay. Right, so we're back after taking that little break. Yeah. And Kanan just moved in. Yeah, moved <laughs> in. Good evening. Just walked yeah. in after just watching. Yeah. Suicide Squad. Come on, please. I'm, I'm here. I'm Where are we at? So yeah. we are... I was asking you about On the Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you were telling me, you didn't miss any steps. And what, what kept you going? Why you didn't stop? And I think because I didn't miss any steps is why I kept going. Because... Somehow this this idea of this long continuity, this long journey that everything can be traced back in steps just fit very well with me. And so um, I didn't have to make any plans or goals and not make them because my life revolved around doing exactly that. I did the same thing every day. I got up in the morning, I put away my tent, I ate breakfast, I started walking. I walked until I couldn't walk anymore. I put up my tent, I made dinner, and I went to bed. And, you know, I was regulated by the sun. I just, everything fit into place. I felt like I was, uh, always had enough energy, always felt rested, always felt good uh, because I was working so hard and just everything fell into place. Can I ask a question? Please. Um, loneliness is real, eh? Everyone suffers from it at certain points throughout their life. The question I have for you is obviously there. I mean, I don't know how. There might, there may have been days where you didn't converse with another human. I don't know how, if this is accurate or not. Yeah, that's fucking shit, bro. So how do you overcome that? So honestly, uh, out there, I think I had always talked with another person uh, on the Appalachian Trail. It was there was a lot of people around, so. I found it I could be whatever I wanted to be. If I was in a mood where I just wanted to be alone, I could be alone. But if I was around, wanted to be around people, I could be around people. Now when I went out to New Zealand and did uh, a trail out there called the Te Araroa Trail, yeah. uh, it was still very new. And so there were definitely days where I did not speak to another person. Um, nobody at night, there was no towns, nothing and no other hikers would I meet. And I think it goes back to you, you have to be strong-minded. It's all about being very strong-minded. It's not that you don't get lonely. It's that when you're going, you need to know this is a time where you're not with people and there will be a time again in the future when you are with people. So don't freak out, don't like get too lonely. Just know there's this rhythm. And sometimes you're on the top of the wave, sometimes you're in the bottom of the wave, but it's always going to be going like this. And so, yeah, um, when you're alone, you just enjoy that time. And when you're with people, you enjoy that time. And don't be too busy thinking about having it the other way. Right. Interesting. Um, Were you active on social media during that time, like Facebook? So I am not at all active on social media. Uh, I I love personal messages. I love sending emails. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love sending long messages to friends. I don't like broadcasting or anything like that. So I don't do much on the social media at all. I, I mean, I don't have a blog or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, talk to people when I can. All right. So let's get back to cycling a little bit. Okay. Cycling. Or maybe let's, before we get into cycling, because it's in South Africa now, let's yes. talk a little bit about Japan. Okay. Before you went to Japan, where, where else did you go? 
So before I was in Japan, I was in New Zealand, right. and there I was back on the trail. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did this uh, trail from cycling or walking, walking okay. from the top of New Zealand to the bottom, and that was only three thousand kilometers. Uh, I did that in four months, and there was definitely a lot less people. It was a, a, a little bit more lonely, and uh, also. A lot more fun because I really could do my own thing. Uh, whereas on the Appalachian Trail, I was around people a lot more, and so I would camp around people or you know stop or whatever. Here, because no one else was around, I could just just let my demons do what they needed to do, and I could walk, um, walk, walk, walk. My biggest day was sixty-seven kilometers. Uh, I just got up in the morning and walked until I couldn't walk anymore and went to bed at night and that happened to be 67 kilometers And so I just got to just like do things like that. Like I wonder if this could do. I wonder if I could do this and uh, So I really had fun with that, but the problem is you wake up every morning knowing exactly what you're going to do the next day Or that day, you know it. You're gonna put your tent away. You're gonna start walking. You're gonna get hungry You're gonna eat lots of food And you're gonna go to bed and that's that's your day. You know exactly what you're doing. There's no questions. And so as I started getting near the end and realizing that I'm going to need to have to know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to there's going to be a point where I can no longer just start walking. Yeah. And that really bothered me. Um it really starts to make you you know, just not sure of what, what you're going to do and you haven't had to think about these things. You no, know? Yeah, because you just kept on walking. Yes, you just, you had, you didn't have to make those decisions. Yeah. And it had been four months where none of those decisions even came through my mind. Yeah. And so I started uh, frantically searching for something to do. And again, going off of cheap flights, I said, what's the cheapest flight out of Auckland? And I got to Tokyo for like $200. Uh, and so I went out to Tokyo. So you didn't even plan that I'm going to go to Japan after this? You just no, 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 no. What's no. the cheapest flight? Yeah, just the cheapest flight and, you know, in a week uh, I was there. And so then I found that Japan had this, uh, this Buddhist pilgrimage that I could do. And so it was through 88 temples uh, around the Shikoku Island. And so I went out there to do that. And... Um, I believe that was it was one it was just over a thousand kilometers and something and it took me a little over a month to do that right and so I did that and uh, then I was ready to settle down and find a job and so I became an English teacher out there and so I was doing that for a year and that's when I bought a bicycle kind of helped me with commuting all around town and so then I just decided to take that bicycle and come to South Africa so the your the story of cycling you didn't start with that from the states no, no. You, you started with walking yes and then when you go to japan you got a bicycle mm-hmm. not actually to cycle as far just like to get by that's yes. how it is i guess in japan you, you need a bicycle right yes yes wow so before we, we get into the japan story where do you sleep when you're walking you know these places anywhere um so when, you, when you're out in the woods, in the mountains, uh, you know, I just put up a tent. Uh, and you also learn to put up tents in, in small towns and things like that. Uh, you know, I remember one night, me and, uh, me and a friend, uh, 
we went to the pub, we had a few drinks, and we're like, well, we're not gonna, where are we gonna stay tonight? And so we just kind of walked outside, we walked around back behind, like, they had this little, like, town hall building, we're like, yeah, no one's gonna come here, we'll put up our tents here. And so you just, you learn to put up a tent anywhere, and because you're so regulated, you, you're gonna get up in the morning, you're gonna pack up your tent before anybody even knows you're there, so, anywhere. You're the man with no fear, eh? Do you, Just are you put up a tent things? anywhere. Are you afraid of anything? I'm afraid of lots of things. That's why I do them. Uh, <laughs> well, I agree. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, what so scares you the most? <sighs> Commitment? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're very, commi you're very committed, though. Like, if you can walk that far, you need a lot of commitment. Right? But I don't have to. I, at any point, I could just walk away. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't sign a contract. No one <laughs> is expecting me to be there tomorrow. I, it, whatever I want to do is okay. What I find really interesting about this is that I mean, we're similar in the way that yeah. we don't do things the way other people do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Twenty-two years old, I pissed off from London because mm -hmm. I was done with the. I was with the rat race for three years and I was done. Not doing it anymore. Finished. Yeah. So pissed off to Cape Town. Um, now do a business. Etc. Like it's not the way that a lot a lot of people when they leave they go to university come up come back from university and uh, get a job get a nine to five get a wife get a mortgage we always say this hey get get a car get a pet that like that's the lifestyle that a lot of people have mm -hmm. um, so I think I find it very interesting you were like mm, that's not for getting me. out of the whole thing and you know just do yeah, something different you know what I'm gonna press escape from this yeah because we because as humans, the, what's around us is all fabricated. This yes. way the society works is completely yes. fabricated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absurd, man. It is absurd how many people get... Because what I find interesting as well is that people like the fact that they, they have things taken away from them. Yeah. Like, they don't have to make the big decisions for themselves. They yeah. don't have to go get a job, etc., etc. So I think it's bravery is what the big thing is for you. That you were like... Mm. Nah, it's not for me. I'm yeah. going to go do this now. Yeah. This is what I want to do and I'm just going to do yeah. it. And it's yeah. something that, come on, a handful of people could have had the experiences that you've had. And exactly that. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that I made the choice. Uh, I, I did exactly that path. I, I you know, from uh, high school, went into uni, graduated from uni, I had my job, I was working, and then I got laid off. And... This company, they had told me, oh, you'll be fine, you know, don't worry about it, we, we've got a place for you. And I had this feeling like I could work here for the rest of my life. And then that started going off in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, I could work here for the rest of my life. How scary is that? How scary is that? And so I got to, I didn't have to even make the decision. All of a sudden I got laid off and I was like, oh, okay, let's try something different, yeah. let's look around. And I tell everybody that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because most people don't get a chance to just stop and look around. You're so, you get caught up in it and you, you continue along on the same path, you know, you just keep going and you don't get a chance to look around. So it was a really unique opportunity for me and that pushed me to start just exploring. And my biggest goal was to, everybody seems to be so afraid of anything and they don't do it. So I just said, I'm going to just... I'm going to pick all these things that people are afraid of doing and I'm going to just see if they actually are something you can do. And so I've just been trying to do all sorts of things like that. Um, okay. What are you, Greg? What are you afraid of? I, you know, right now I'm trying to, I'm trying to get 
rid of the fears that I have. I think I do, I don't, I, I'm happy now that I don't have the same fear of losing things mm-hmm. that most people have. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if I would lose a job or whatever, whatever I have right now, the, the only thing that I'm scared of to lose probably is the people around me, right? Mm. Anything else really, I don't care. I don't, yeah. I can lose a job, I'll be okay with it, to be Everything honest. Else I, I, lost, I lost that fear anymore. I don't have that, that I have to have some s- sort of object or, you know, it's a situation that feels like you cannot get yourself out of. I'm, I think I can live without it, without my job. Mm-hmm. I can always find something to do, you know, so. I have a few very tangible fears. Yeah. Heights, can't deal with it. Can't deal with it. But you went but bungee jumping. Did the bungee jump. Ooh. Highest bungee jump That's in the world. Great. Yeah. Blockman's Bridge or whatever. Yeah. But I can't, can't pronounce it. I've got the certificate in there, I can't pronounce it. But I, I won't lie to people when I say it. I was petrified, man. I was petrified. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The feeling, and that's, I, I now want to chase the other fears I have because the feeling that I got when I got pulled back onto the bridge is like a, I've had no feeling like it yes. for in anything else that I've done. Fear, yes. fear is like fuel to me, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I like, I always like it to be somewhere and I recognize it, then I just do something about it, you know? Yeah, yeah honestly, that, yeah. I, I would say that's one of the biggest moments that changed my life was being yeah. like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to face this fear today, yeah. do now. It. Do it. So, and does cool. Japan? Tell me the, tell me about Japan. How was Japan for you? Yeah. Well, I struggled in Japan. Uh, before Japan, I was in Brazil. Right. In Brazil, I couldn't walk down the street without making ten friends. I didn't even speak the language. I remember one of my first nights in Brazil. This guy, I don't know what he kept saying to me. I'm assuming he was saying, "You don't understand a word I'm saying," and he just said. And he just kind of motioned me like, I'll take care of you for the rest of the night. And he just, he took me all around town. We went out drinking. He told me this place is cheaper. Well, I assume he said that. I don't know. Um, and so I just was meeting people like crazy in Brazil. Had so many friends. And some of them are still some of my best friends I talk to all the time. Then I went out to New Zealand. And the Kiwis are so nice. Uh, here I am. You know, I... Smell, I'm terrible, stinky, I've been bathing in rivers and living in the mountains for for days on end. And these people would just invite me to their home, give me a shower, give me a beer, which a beer is expensive there. And so I had all these wonderful experiences of meeting people. And to me, that's what traveling became. It was less about the sights less about you know the those adventures and just meeting the people and getting to understand them. Then I went to Japan. And it was like I was closed off from that. Uh, I, I struggled meeting people there. Um, there was a language barrier, but it's just the Japanese culture. It was very kind of yeah. people. It was very reserved. And so it took me a long time. I really had to fight tooth and nail to get uh, some good friends there. And um, yeah. And so... Japan was a wonderful place, a wonderful experience. I think all experiences are worth having, but in the end, uh, I was ready to leave when it happened. Uh, What are the highlights of Japan? The highlights of Japan? Japan is so easy and comfortable. Um, You talk about your comfort zone. Japan is like the the perfect comfort zone. Uh, It is so easy to move around, get around, uh, you know, Everything's convenient. Convenience is just everywhere, and so it's kind of nice when you when you have all that and you look around and you see it. Um, but 
I kind of like to look at both sides and I think of what do you pay for mm -hmm. that. And in my opinion, I feel like you pay you pay with your humanity okay. uh, because you you get all this convenience, but you have to give up you know a lot of like human aspects of life. I felt uh, so. What would be a good example for that? What do you mean you lose? Just you talking with your neighbors. I don't know who just came in here. Yeah. Uh, who was that? A neighbor? Was that? Uh, the, oh, that's the security downstairs. He okay. came to to get a movie from me. Okay. Yeah. Your security guard came up to get a movie from you, yeah. and that like just in the elevator talking with people. Yeah. Like she. You just you didn't have that in in, in, in Japan, Japan. Uh, okay. and so you had all these people around you that you just you couldn't really talk to, right? And so that just and you say it's safe that you can throw your phone your cell phone on the on the road nobody's going to pick it up. There were times so I was doing that Buddhist pilgrimage thing, yeah. and so obviously I need to charge my phone. And Japan has vending machines everywhere, right. and so I would just look for these vending machines and plug it in and sometimes if I was real lucky I'd find a vending machine that's next to Wi-Fi mm -hmm. hey and so you know then I could do some downloading and some things and um, put some new podcasts on and whatnot mm -hmm. and so if I could find a vending machine with Wi-Fi I would try to hook it up but sometimes it'd be just outside in the middle of just convenience stores or on the side of the road and I would just find some Wi-Fi, find a plug, plug it in, and then be like, oh, well, I want to go do something. And so I could just leave my phone there, no problem, really? in the middle of the street, That's like crazy. right on the sidewalk. I mean, plain view, there was never a thought in my mind that someone would, would left it or would touch it. And now that I think about it, I remember that one day I had my, my tent and my backpack and everything just in a park, just sitting on a park bench, and then I had my phone up over here charging and then I'm somewhere else no problems in Japan you would never even think of anybody touching it wow <laughs> that's incredible that is I mean I'm, listen like, could it be any more different to Cape Town yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon maybe two minutes yeah before, yeah, the yeah, 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 before it's gone um, the only thing they say people take is umbrellas and bicycles so okay. you always have to lock up your bicycle and your umbrella uh -huh. Uh -huh. and how different is it in a way that even you said you lived in Japan so when you came out here it's like what's up to you was kind of a new thing it's like it's not usual for you since people use line you said oh well I mean I've used whatsapp before a lot but yeah, yeah everybody used line uh, in in Japan and uh, I don't know yeah. uh, they love the uh, all the line stickers they're yeah, yeah. so good with their stickers on yeah. My friends, you, you know, it was almost like an art form how good they were with their line stickers. <laughs> but Japanese like characters and stuff they like that. They love characters. They love cuteness. Emo uh, emoji kind of Anime. Yeah. 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 Uh, kawaii is, is the word. Kawaii, and it means cute. And it's like the cuteness oh, okay. factor of everything. Everything needs to be cute. All right. So, you know, for, pe for some people listening, for example, in South Africa... Sense. They don't even know how what line is, which is okay. It's not, you know, it's not absurd because here WhatsApp is very common. It's just for more. It's like if you go to Japan, probably most people don't use WhatsApp, and some don't even know it, right? Well, the thing is with with Japan, uh, specifically for foreigners, is you can't get a phone number there. Uh, 
like a phone number, you must be like a resident and all these other things to get a phone number. And Same over here. No, from here I just showed them my passport. They gave really? me a phone number. Yeah. There's no problem. Yeah. So I could. You can only buy data cards. You can buy SIM cards that work only on okay. data, but they will not be a phone. And so it, it's just it doesn't really even make sense to use Line there because or sorry uh, WhatsApp there because you've only got the data. So. Uh, so how how did you find a job in in Japan? I just I was I was walking that uh, pilgrimage every once in a while. I'd just kind of sit down because it was freaking hot. You know, it'd be thirty yeah. eight degrees outside, hundred percent humidity. This is Japan. You know, I'm just sweating like crazy. So middle of the day, I would just stop, kind of be hanging outside of a convenience store. Um, and I would use their Wi-Fi and just look up and once in a while apply for jobs. And so uh, I remember doing the, uh, the interview on Skype uh, in a convenience store mm -hmm. and with my phone and basically uh, I got the job as an English teacher there. Okay, and uh, since you're from the, from the States, you don't need visa to go into Japan, right? Uh, I didn't need a visa to get it. I mean, I just got 90 days on yeah. arrival yeah. as a stamp. And so then what happened was once I got the job, uh, they, they got me a working visa and a residence card and everything like that. Uh, right. And they pretty much do all that. All I had to do was give them my uh, university diploma. Oh, that was okay. it. But you never did any formal training as far as teach, teaching English? No. No. <laughs> never did any training. Uh, because I had had... Uh, two and a half years of teaching experience as yeah. I was a I was a high school teacher and I taught little kids and everything uh, what did you teach in high school? English as well? no uh, computer science and mathematics uh, at an international school in Guatemala and so because I'd had that experience yeah. at work but you know the thing I can say is requirements and things all seem to go out the window when you're in a jam yeah. and so you know they needed a teacher right away I was in Japan yeah I had a little bit of experience and right place, so. right person. What exactly. Like in terms of teaching the Japanese kids, are they very respectful of teachers? Very respectful. So I can imagine it's quite a res it's respect-driven society and culture. Very respectful. Tim uh, but they're very timid, and so more often, yes, they would be respectful, but also they would just break out in tears and start crying. They hate the like, strangers scared them. Uh, you know, it, it was a very for me, very different. Uh, and so just, just a couple of days ago, um, Grabao, Grabo, some town outside of here, uh, I went and I, I stopped at the farm stall, was asking if I could put up a tent, and the manager of the farm stall ended up saying I could go home with him and we'll have a braai and you know, I could get a shower and everything there. And first thing I do when I walk into the house is his little daughter just runs up to me and she starts talking to me and she, she starts playing with me. and. And I was just like, you know, this never, never would have happened in Japan. And so they were all apologetic. I was like, you don't understand. I like this. Like, sometimes I felt like it was just too sterile there. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, very respectful. Um, and like I said, very timid. Uh, so you, you really... Trying to coax them out of their shell yeah, was difficult. Yeah, you really had to. Um, and um, tell, tell him about Japanese women because we always have <laughs> stories about <laughs> I have no stories about Japanese women. Um, 
No, uh, and they're beautiful. They yeah, are they, beautiful. They are. Beautiful. They are. They, are, they, they, they look, look beautiful. Graceful. They look like uh, anime characters to me. They they do. Right. Uh, they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're beautiful. That's that's what we could say. Um, and uh, I I can't say that I had wonderful experiences with them, but uh, they're beautiful. Nice to look at. What's the difference? What makes them different? Is there any kind of difference between like the American or Japanese women um, or men? I mean, there's so many differences. I, I all I can tell is my experiences. Yeah. There's no reason to believe that these are the only experiences. But uh, I felt Japanese women are overly feminine, right. and uh, so they're just they're very cute and very yeah. feminine. Very kawaii. Yes, very kawaii. Very kawaii. <laughs> very kawaii. And so you, as a, a very masculine, how, how did it come out? Um, in that couching? You know, uh, really it wasn't about being masculine that seemed to work. It mm. was this whole idea of romantic. Yeah. Uh, they can't see me doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It's very often from from girls you would hear, oh my gosh, I would never hear a Japanese guy say that. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, in America, you wouldn't get very far if you didn't say things like that. And uh, so they love to play off of that. They uh, they'll even tell you. Every one of my students would tell you, Japanese people are not good at expressing our emotions. Uh, and the, it, like my students would talk about it all the time. They'd say Westerners are. It's so amazing how Westerners can you know talk about their emotions, and they go Japanese people cannot. Oh. And so just yeah, that dynamic uh, in a relationship with mm-hmm. a with a girl. Yeah. Sorry to step away from Japan, but I've wanted to ask this question. Please. About obviously you're um, you've been you've done loads of trials everywhere. You've taught oh, and traveled in many different countries, but is there a day, one day that sticks out in your head where you were like, what the fuck am I doing here? I need to go home. Like, this isn't for me anymore. Was there one specific day where you, or not, not maybe thought like that, but is there a specific day where you came closest to packing it all in and going back to Ohio? No. No. <laughs> that's, um, I mean, that's a good answer. I, th- I, think, I think it became his life that the way we see our life, we're mm-hmm. just saying we have to do things. To, to, to you it probably became normal that's how you leave it's like and so that's exactly the point this is my life there's there's nothing else I know anymore uh, there might be there were definitely some times when I was just ready to pack up and get out of Japan um, work schedule was pretty tough for me um, you know and the loneliness of having people around but yet not connecting with people like I've connected with you guys a lot more than I did with a lot of people there uh-huh. uh, and so you have all these people around but I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of connections so yeah there were certainly some times where I thought I need to just get out of here the idea of going home never, never. that never crossed my mind it was just where am I going to go yeah. and even now um, you know when I started this bike trip I didn't know if I was going to enjoy this cycling it's the first time I've done something like this and again the thought is oh well if anything happens I'll just I'll pick something else and do that then so this is my life I can't really imagine anything else anymore and so the the life of living in America right now seems very foreign to me uh, and not just because I moved away and got in with another life I've had so many different lives in so many different ways that I don't really know what would be a normal baseline huh. 
So, what kind of environment were you living in Japan? Was it an apartment or? I had a really awesome apartment.、Um, and it was a very small room.、Uh, I mean, much smaller than this room right here. And I had a loft. And、mm. so I had this loft, it, it had every bit of four meters or more above the ground. You didn't really look that high until you climbed up it. And、mm. then when you were like looking down on the ladder, you'd be like, <laughs> whoa.、Uh, and so it was just big enough for my futon. So I had my futon and my loft up there. And so then I had, I mean, this tiny little room, but I was able to get a table and a couch. And they, usually in Japan, you'd sit on the floor,、uh, but I didn't have tatami. I had like hardwood. And so I actually had some furniture there. And, you know, when I'd have couch surfers,、uh, I mean. Oh, you had I, couch surfers there? Oh, heck yeah.、Sure. I hosted surfers all the time.、Uh, I had my bicycle there. I had, you know. I, I, the most I had was three surfers and all their backpacks and everything.、Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's me in the futon, here's one person on the couch, one person on the floor, one person in the kitchen hallway.、Yeah. You know, you just,、uh, it was a small little room, but yeah, it was pretty nice, actually.、Uh, and it was real central to everything. I mean, I lived right next to the train station, between two supermarkets, right next to a, a 24 hour convenience store, like right across the street.、Yeah. I worked. Uh, just down the street, that I could walk to it.、Uh, it was a very convenient location. And again, going back to everything is just very convenient in Japan. What city was that in Japan? It was Nagoya. Nagoya. And so they say it's the third biggest city, and most people in Japan consider it a small town.、Uh, okay. Which, I mean, in America, it would be one of the biggest towns. Yeah.、Uh, but in Japan, you know, when you've got Tokyo, yeah, everything yeah. seems small. And so. We were perfect because we had, you know, really one central area to go out in.、Um, the train was actually something you could understand.、Uh, whereas if you've ever looked at a map of Tokyo, I mean, like the tube, I mean, you're just like, what the heck? Yeah. So it was really easy to get around, really easy to, to get used to. Interesting, man.、Mm. It was a really cool place. Yeah. yeah. So Japan, living in the city, like I,、uh, I live in Cape Town right now. I think the lifestyle of the metropolitan cities is pretty similar in most cities, I guess. I see this kind of vibe when I host car surfers or when I look at foreign people、mm-hmm. from Amsterdam or any other big cities. London. Yeah, it looks, yeah, London. <laughs> it, it seems they're used to this kind of life. It's pretty similar. Is Japan the same way as well? Yeah, I think so.、Um, you know, in Japan, there's. There are some Western, Western bars, but、mm-hmm. your going out is a little different.、Um, you know, you go out, and、uh, usually it's you go out with some friends to a table, and it's called like an izakaya.、Mm-hmm. And so there you're in your group, and you'll go out drinking and things like that.、Um, but yeah, it's just the、What's、same. What's their drinking culture like? Well,、um, You know,、uh, like I said, it's normally done in, in these, the typical Japanese izakaya, is like the Japanese bar, where it's not a standing bar where everybody's around talking to each other. It's you go with a group of people, you, you get a table, usually you take your shoes off and you, you know, you'll sit down underneath, the table will be recessed and everything. And everybody just kind of sits there and you just keep pushing a button and they just come and keep bringing you drinks. and... Yeah,、uh, they do love drinking there.、Uh, they drink pretty hard sometimes. And 
My favorite question that I would get asked though is, um, can you drink? Because uh, a lot of uh, them have, I guess there's some Mongolian gene or whatever that when they when they drink, they'll they'll turn red in the face. Like just one couple sips even can you know really get them sick and make them turn red in the face. And I'm just like, no, you don't understand. That's only Asian people. Yeah. Uh, Westerners don't have that. And they're like, really? Uh, I'm like, yeah. And so, yeah. Some of them don't drink uh, a lot. And in there, it's still a very important thing uh, to drink. So a lot of people, they, I would even ask to go out for practice because they don't get respect if they're not able to drink at work. Uh, okay. And so a lot of people like having practice to get strong tolerance. It's like a big thing there. Uh, I hear, I mean, when I think of Japan, I think of samurais, kimonos. Is it very common there? Is it very, you see it everywhere? None of that was ever a part of my life in Japan. Really? You see it in Kaiser jobs? Any, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so maybe, I mean, you know, in the touristy areas, they would have like play up to it. Yeah, they would play up to it. But I mean, no. Uh, even when I was in the oldest traditional part, like the Shikoku Island, which is very old and traditional, not a lot of big cities, very rural. No, um, the only part you'll see it Kyoto, uh, which you know that's like the center of everything. During festivals and things, they'll they'll yeah. all get together and do it. But it's all, you know, just for the Tradition. festival, just for the show. No. Yeah. Uh, Okay, interesting. So, yeah, we have seen, covered a lot of Japan, mm-hmm. and that's where you bought your bicycle. That is where I bought my bicycle. I bought it at a recycle shop there. Yeah. Uh, really cheap. And what made you move out of Japan? Um, well, to be honest, everything kind of fit together very well. Um, I got destroyed by another Japanese girl. And uh-huh. <laughs> my boss was kind of like not sure if I could sign a new contract because so, of that, or no, 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 no oh, okay. No. Uh, just the amount of students we had, mm. teachers, and just so the, I could have stayed if I wanted to, but they wanted to go kind of month to month or whatever, and so I was just like, you know, my contract's up. Mm. Uh, I think it's time for me to go. Yeah. What happened? How did the Japanese girl destroy you? I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, you know, it's just, uh, could say a lot of things and none of them, uh, seem to follow through with. And so one day I just kind of got a call and said goodbye. And that was it. And that's all you're going to get. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> this motherfucker's a homeless! Holy cow, man. Is that what... Was that a breakup, just like that, a phone call, it's over? Yeah. How long were you guys living together? Oh, we weren't living together. Uh, We were together for uh, three months. Three months? Yeah. So That's not very long, but... No, not very long. Not very long. to catch feelings, though. (laughs) Not enough to catch some feelings. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, eh? Yeah. Um, It's funny, in a way, not that it's a very funny thing, but (laughs) it's... Okay, so now I have to I have to show you this. Um, the, the the people in the podcast won't get to uh, see this, but um, this is my favorite part. So I have I 
had an adventure shirt. All right. Like, you know, Columbia, you know, I took on every hiking adventure with me. Yeah. And this thing, uh, you know, it became a part of me. Like, I don't buy new things. I only buy old things with a story. Yeah. And so my shirt had just, it was disgusting. And it had rips in it. It could no longer be worn as a shirt. Right. And so, actually, this is the coolest little thing that... Um, that Japanese girl made for me and uh, she made it out of my old shirt and so this is like the really cool nice uh, thing isn't it like I get to continue carrying it with me the shirt no longer could be a shirt that's yeah. dope I love this thing so, so. the Japanese so guys, it's basically a drawstring bag yeah. made out of a buttercup shirt yeah. Yeah. how I can explain this it's, it's a green bag green in a way like navy green right yeah in a way and with two it was a shirt with the shirt pockets so, right here so the two pockets are in the back of the bag that if you're carrying it on your back you can see the the, the pockets so you can think of it as it was a shirt you can see it mm-hmm. actually and it's a little yeah drawstring it, bag shirt. yeah and she made that for you yeah. with her hands that is incredible and the coolest thing was I just actually gave it to her and explained it that this was this is my shirt and so uh, I said, can you make just anything useful out of it? And that's what she came up with. All right. Well, that was before the breakup, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, but yeah, I wouldn't mind a, a shirt like that, can I? Would you? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, really, it's incredible. The only thing that I have from a girl is a nice painting of me that I'm not really proud of. It's an... Iron Man. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now it's just going to be sad. But unfortunately, having to carry this also... What? <laughs> I love her. So yes, that, it is. In the pocket? So that's the hardest the... part, that I still have to carry that because... I'm going to rip that one out for you, buddy. Yeah. We'll rip, <laughs> that we'll, we'll rip that one out for you. Don't Please. Can I? Yes, what, what do you have from a girl? What do I have from a girl? Broken Memorable. Uh, Broken hearts. Broken hearts. Did she give me? One of my girlfriends... Gave me an Arsenal shirt with my name on. That was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, got mum count? No. Okay. <laughs> Not in this How conversation. Um, things I've got from girls. Oh, what have you given to the girls that is most memorable to you? But I hate see all of my girlfriends. I hate surprises. Okay. So they I, they must tell me because I can't. I can't protect. Like I can't hide my emotions. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. See, someone gives me a present and I don't like it. They can tell that I don't like it. So yeah, I, me I too. Demand to know what I've been given. So nothing really sticks out, man. Okay. Ah, and what have you given? What you think is more memorable? Given. You know, honestly, I haven't done a lot of giving. Um. Yeah. I don't know. A book. This is the most memorable thing I received from a girl. A book. Oh, okay. That was a good book. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I've given a few books. Books a book is a great gift for a yeah. But I mean I don't really think they read it. Looking at what type of people they are, they probably I know for, for a fact mine was being read. It was <laughs> okay. on the bedside table. I had a You know thing. I do give a lot of couch surfers and a lot of people I meet the alchemist. That's one of my favorite. Oh, well. oh, goodness yeah. me, that is I, I li- if you I, travel. You need that travel one. That book that one, yeah. must be read. Yeah. Yes. Well, one, book, one other book that I can say is the, uh, the Vagabonding. You've got to check that out as well. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I like journey books while, while journey traveling. Journey books, journey yeah. Journey books don't want traveling. I've read the Lord of the Rings trilogy while I was traveling in India. Um, so, yeah. I think if you get a journey book that yeah. can accompany you on a journey, it's quite dope. Yeah. 
So, getting back to your story. Yes. When you left Japan, yes. You decided to travel with your bike. Yes. What what did you think of that? Because you usually nobody well, would just say oh, I'm going to buy a bicycle somewhere because really almost cheaper. Well, again, you have to understand me. Uh I don't like to think of things as like my things need to have a story. And yeah. so this was already a used bicycle that I have been riding around now for a year. And so it was a part of me. I I can't just leave that behind. And so I also it wasn't a touring bicycle. It's just a a road racing bicycle. And so it fit well with my philosophy on I want to be lightweight. And so when I, when I backpack, when I was doing those hikes, mm-hmm. I I carried less than 4 kilos is what I carried. Uh that was everything that I carried. Uh so less than 4 kilos was my tent, my backpack, my sleeping bag, everything. And um so I want to keep it light and so by keeping my bicycle instead of just showing up and having to buy like a big heavy uh touring bicycle of some sort, you know, it it just stuck well with my philosophy and so I wanted to do that. Um really cool on carrying it by the way. I I looked up on what's the best way to carry it and I read just putting it in a plastic bag. Mm. And so I just put it in a plastic bag, wrapped it up with tape and so it was like slapping a puppy. No one could slap a puppy. Yeah. And so everybody would see this bicycle and they would just so gingerly pick it up and put it <laughs> places. And I would watch them just throwing everybody else's luggage around, just slamming it down on the ground cuz I had to go through a couple of buses and yeah. all these shuttles and everything and I didn't see them on the plane. But when they would touch the bicycle, they would just so gingerly pick it up and carefully set it down everywhere. It was yeah. perfect. So, no problems. Awesome. So, then how did you decide to, to You went from Japan to South Africa? Yes. What was the train thought there? Can't really say there was a lot of thought. Uh, uh I just uh well, okay. So most of the Southeast Asia area just, you know, it's rainy season uh and here was not rainy season and they said this was the best time uh to travel. It's kind of off season, but dry. And so all that kind of seemed to fit. um and like i said my goal wasn't to show that you can plan a whole bunch of things and buy a whole bunch of things and everything works it was just take what you have go somewhere and yeah. so i just i took what i had and i went somewhere new and it worked out ah so you arrived in joburg yes and what was the the thing uh, the first thing in your mind first thing in my mind yeah Um, you know, fucking Japan. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, when you're surrounded by it for so long, yeah. I it was the longest I'd ever stayed in a single place. Yeah. Um in in years. And so I was just immersed in it for so long. And so yes, that's what I felt. Uh and even so much as my Uber driver taking me to my uh Katsuper's house. Uh and just the conversation we were having, the the, the whole time I'm thinking, wow. I can't believe I'm getting in this good of a conversation with just just an Uber driver. Yeah. Uh this would never happen in Japan. All right. So, where did you stay in Joburg? Um Cresta, Cresta Mall area, I don't mm-hmm. know where it was exactly. Did you backpackers uh, or? No, I stayed with a, a couchsurfer. Couchsurfer. Yeah. Nice. Uh so how then you just thought I should ride the bike to Cape Town? Well, yeah. Um I mean 
Originally, I thought I should have flown or take a bus to Cape Town and that way just start going north. Uh, but then I just thought, why do that when I've already got the bicycle? Hmm. And so I just started riding. Uh, I rode out of town and then I got onto some really boring stretches of complete nothingness yeah, and, there's a lot of and power, uh, power plants hmm. and uh, coal factories, mines, whatever, I don't know. It was uh, a lot of dead brown grass yeah. and dry air and open roads. Yeah. Uh, so. But you just kept on going. Huh? Just kept on going. And when you st what, what makes you stop at a place? Do you just decide, oh, right now I should sit up a tent and sleep? Yeah. Well, if it's dark. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, getting dark, uh, I would do that. So you only stop cycling at night to sleep? Yeah, well, just before night, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, and what are the places that you decide to stop? Like this, what looks like a, a right place for you to live? Because that's like living like an animal, eh? Yeah. You're basically yeah. crazy. Yeah, You're a really good way. No, no, no. I yeah. am. I'm not arguing nuts. that at all. <laughs> you are um, nuts, bro. I you are crazy. I, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was not normal. Hey? I thought I was very abnormal. <laughs> not saying that you are not normal. Yeah. No, I am not normal. But the lifestyle you choose to live is not normal. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought I was. And it's very much a choice. Like it's very much a choice. It's is nice. That, I wish. I is that not the beauty of yeah. life? It, it, it is. Um, and so, you know. That's the thing. You're looking at years now. I can't even explain to you everything. You're looking at an end product. You can't yeah, just yeah, pick true. the end and say, you know, how did you get here? I yeah. mean, this podcast is going to go on forever. Yeah. How, how did you get here? But I've been, I've been wild camping, hitchhiking, you know, camping in, in really sketchy places for such a long time now. I'm always on the lookout for campsites. Yeah. It's just what I do. It's it's not even, I don't even think about it. I'm just constantly scanning for, oh, I could put a tent up right yeah. there. Okay. Sketchiest moment so far. Yeah. <laughs> sketchiest moment here yeah. in South yeah. Africa. I want a top five rundown of sketchiest moments. Okay. I, I can tell you my favorite story. Uh, and this one actually, Lonely Planet has to do with this one. Um, I was in, I had just split up with a travel partner in Honduras. Mm -hmm. And um, so I go to this town and it was called Gracias, actually. Small town. Gracias. Yeah, you. Gracias, Honduras. <laughs> and so I'm going to do this little three-day hike or so over this little mountain there. It's supposed to be the tallest point in Honduras, I think, right. something like that. And... Uh, Lonely Planet says, before you go out, talk with this guy, and it was an old Lonely Planet, uh, I found it in a backpack or somewhere, said, talk with this guy before you head out, he'll give you a map and kind of tell you about the trail. And so, I start knocking around uh, doors trying to get to his house, and, you know, where's Walter, that was his name, Walter, mm -hmm. and just kept asking around, and I kept getting the runaround, and finally... You know, after four or five different doors, someone goes, right there, that's his house. And so I go and I knock on the door. <laughs> and it is like 11 o'clock in, in the morning now. And so he, he answers. And once he hears it's English, he goes, uh, you know, hold on. He comes out and he goes, I'm sorry, I just woke up. But I heard, I'm sorry, I just smoked up. And so, okay. it, I would have never thought someone was just waking up at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a small town without electricity, you mm -hmm. know? And so, 
I start talking to him and I could tell he had no clue but he's like oh I haven't been there for years I'm like oh weird Lonely Planet has your name huh and then I'm just like hey man you know I'm about ready to go on a, a three day trip up in the mountains you think I could get some smoke from you and uh, looking to buy some weed and yeah. he goes yeah yeah man yeah listen why don't you just go grab yourself a cup of coffee come back here in about an hour we'll smoke you can hang out stay here for the night and uh you know, we'll send you on your way tomorrow because it's too late now. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, I'll hang out with this guy. Everybody loves just to have someone to talk to. Yeah. And smoke with. Yeah, and smoke with. Right. Uh, we're back on talking. People love to talk. Yeah. Listen to them. So, uh, I go out. I come back. And, um, you know, he's really excited. Like a little jittery. A little jumpy. Hmm. Huh. And... Uh, He's really excited to show me his garden, show me all these things he's got growing in his garden. And, I mean, beautiful home. It's right next to the square. So, like, money. Okay? Something's up. Yeah. And um, so he pulls out this odd-looking pipe. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, is, it is weed, so we smoke. Uh, and, you know, okay, all good. And then a couple, couple minutes later, he comes back, and he's like, I like to do this just to keep the high going. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, then he puts it up to my mouth, and I go, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? And I back away, and so he he smokes a lot of crack. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, I started refusing yeah. from that point on. But at this point, you know, I'm hanging out with this guy yeah. for the day, and so... He goes out and he buys three more rocks while I'm there at his house. Like I, he just goes, "Hey man, I'm gonna go out for a minute." I'm like, "Okay." And so he kept going out and coming back in, and he kept wanting to to shotgun me. He's like, "Oh, come on, come on!" I'm like, "Dude, no, 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 no! I don't want your shotgun crack smoke." Mm. Uh, <laughs> How many people have said that in their lifetime? I don't want your shotgun crack smoke, Bessie. So, uh, talking with them. When you say shotgun, you mean blow it into your mouth? Like, so he, he inhales, yeah. and then when he exhales, yeah. I'm, he's supposed to do it right in my mouth, and then I'm <laughs> supposed to inhale again. That's ridiculous. Yes, this is not something I want to do. Yeah. And so anyway, at no time did I really feel unsafe. Honestly, talking with him, I started to piece it together. Basically, uh, he went to the States, and he went to this Chicago, which Chicago has a big crack problem. Chirac. Yeah, and so he picked up uh, his bad habit there, and so now he's back in this small town in Honduras, and he, his family has money, and nobody will talk to him anymore, because obviously they're not willing to address the problem of addiction in the yeah. small town of Honduras that doesn't have electricity yeah. during the day. And so... Um, People just kind of let him go, and he doesn't really have many people to talk to. We talk about loneliness. Everybody just wants someone to talk to. And so I just sat there the whole day letting him talk, and yeah. bad could he talk, you yeah. know? Uh, and, you know, he, he talked, and he just kept looking at me, and he was just like, man, I'm so glad I got a friend today. He's like, man, you know, it's just great to have someone to talk to. So I let him talk the whole night. Um, finally, somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning, mm. he, he, he fell asleep, and... I got up the next morning at six o'clock. I slowly sneaked out of the house, and I never saw him again. <laughs> Roughly, how old is this guy? Oh, I don't know, forties probably. All right, having so, a good old time down in Honduras. Yeah, so he he he's from America as well. No, 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 he's on he's Honduran. Okay, Jeez, uh, that's yeah. 
And he just chose to leave by, like, what, what were the subjects that he was talking about? Do you think he's depressed or something? Yeah, he was obviously depressed. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, he, he had an addiction problem. He, yeah. he had a sickness. And so, you know, he had that problem. And then you compound that with everybody kind of just... Exercising. Yeah. Everybody just avoiding him. Yeah. Avoiding him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his family... I mean, they must still talk with him, but not, you know... Yeah, they don't really so, count yeah. him as probably important in... Yeah, and so, yeah. So before we get back on the road cycling to Cape Town, let's talk about Pocket Tinga in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Tenga or Tinga? Tenga. Tenga, yes. Pocket Tenga, yeah. Yes. You, you showed me as you, you got it as a gift Yes. in Japan. So we should say, uh, to most people, the best term to this would be pocket pussy. Uh, Strong. <laughs> I'm, I'm all ears. And so um, in, in, in Japan, uh, there's, there's a number of products for, for males. And, uh, you know, they sell them at the pharmacy all over the place. And so, yeah, they had this little bag... Uh, and it had a texture on it. There are many textures, and uh, basically, it's just like you know a little thing that you can put some lubricant in, and you know, do the job. <laughs> uh, I mean, and this is like the lowest of the form, and these ones are only like, I mean, a dollar. Yeah. Uh, for the, yeah, they're really cheap. Uh, but they have they have a whole bunch of products, even ranging to the full. The, again, most of. Them, of my Americans would say fleshlight, similar to this, but again. So if you actually look up online about these things, the technology that they—I mean, it is like a bionic vagina would be the best word you can look for. For a really, for a really internal society where they're not at all extra, um, extra, very active. extroverts, yeah, at all. For a very, very introverted society. They've got pocket pussies in pharmacies. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's a very common thing that you can just go by the shop and buy like you're buying oh, a yeah. cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, we need to import them. Yeah, we can make we can sell I'll, them. I'll show you, I need to show you guys the, the Tenga egg video. The egg is the, probably the best. Those, egg? Yeah, the egg. Uh, for, for the people listening, I'll put that video in the show notes and you, they can check it out as well. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's something that I wouldn't think it exists. You know. And you received it you got it as a gift, right? Yes. Who yes. gave it to you? Who gave that to you? Who gave that to you? One of my friends. One of my Japanese friends <laughs> gave it to me. I wouldn't um, know what to think. So I'd, I'd say thank you, obviously. Uh, of course you say thank you, yes. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it was a gag gift a little bit, but... Uh, was it though? But exactly. Was, was it? it though? Yeah. Was it Hey, though? look, got you this. Hey! <laughs> what you're doing tonight. <laughs> Have you used it already? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a man. It sounds like a man who's speaking from experience. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Japan is crazy, eh? You know, but that's the best thing. And I will say that's something that I do, again, admire. Uh, in America, whereas if you're like an outcast type person, I feel like there's a lot of shame. Yeah. And... There, there's not so much. So, like, there's really no problem saying you, mm. you use these products when you're in Japan. <laughs> now, uh, when you're outside of Japan, it might feel like a little bit of a weird thing. But I don't think it's weird. For the people listening that think this kind of things are weird just because of cultural yeah, 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 things, cultural things, they just have to understand that the world is really different. The Other places different. are just like that. You know, you have to open your eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Open That's your why eyes people need to travel and, a lot. And, and see, try so. a yeah. tenga egg. 
but it will change your life. <laughs> try a Tenga. They must pay me for advertising the Tenga right now, right? Yeah. Try a Tenga. Yeah. Even got a tagline, try a Tenga. Yeah. Try a Tenga. <laughs> Maybe we can sell it. Can I order it? Let's try a hundred. They would love it out on the streets yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Long Street. Ten Rand pop. For sure. Pop so, so you can't stop. <laughs> so how long did it take you to cycle from Joburg to Cape Town? A little over a month and a half. All right. Yeah. Uh, how many stops? Roughly, I mean, it's probably maybe thirty stops oh, okay. somewhere around that. But every day, you, did you stay at one place for a couple of days? No. So I'll tell you this. Uh, obviously, I love moving, and so mm. I love being on the bicycle. And um, usually, when people stop me and I get taken home, you know, get a shower, get a nice bed, and everything. They just, they want to show me things. And they're like, can I take you here tomorrow? Stay another day. And so everybody wanted, would always want me to stay another day. And it's hard because I have to keep moving because I do need to get out of this country before my visa runs out. And I can't get there any quicker. You know, I have to just pedal to get out. And so I can't always stop. So it's, it's actually hard because a lot of people would just keep wanting me to stay for a couple of days. Right. And sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. And you're a fun guy, you know, people wouldn't mind yeah. to have you around. They're sharing this energy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so, enough to go around. I've gone out, I've been here for 10 months. Yes. Um, admittedly, I'm not, I'm not a tourist here, I work here, I run a business here, so. Yes. It's a very different way of looking into, I suppose, the eyes that you have. For yes, of course, very different. I've gone out to Garden Routeway, um, that's where I did the bungee jumping. Yes, um, yes, I know it. I, I went by that bridge. Stop. what an awesome view, eh? Incredible bridge, eh? Yeah. Uh, I was there, like, I, whenever I go, whenever I see it, I just think the architecture to, mm. to and the engineers that have done such a good job to build that is awesome. Correct, and it's the river gorge, beautiful. But for such a fast country, I mean, South Africa is huge. It's huge, but it's very scarcely populated. But even going from Western Cape out to Eastern Cape, there's a huge difference in terms of culture, in terms of the people. Yeah, or even even the economic structure as well. You know. It's, you come to a city like most people come to Cape Town and they fly to Joburg, for example, and they see all the big cities, right? They don't really see the in between. But South Africa is a very different country. You know, there's like a huge difference in places. You'd be like, okay, so this is South Africa too, you know? I, that's how I see it, at least, you know? 100%. You know? Or just if you go out a little bit out of, out of Cape Town, like 40 k's away, then you might. Yeah, went to Oudsjong. Have you been to Oudsjong? Did you go to Oudsjong? It's. Um there's an ostrich farm there. You can do ostrich racing. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been there, yeah. Completely different. Yes, yeah, like, completely different. Place, different. Yeah. But this is what I was going to ask you. Supposedly, and I'm, I, I can, I've not met every kind of person in South Africa at all. When I say kind, I don't mean race. I mean in terms of Western Cape, Eastern Cape, Josie, etc. Supposedly, Cape Tonians are the most friendly and open. Would you agree? I have to say no, but not... I haven't met enough Cape Cape Townians. Yeah. Uh, but no, I can tell you, in in the smaller towns, uh, are definitely very very friendly people. I'm sure they're friendly here, and I'm sure you, once you get to talking to them, they are. But and again, the circumstances were just different because I was quite an oddity when yeah. I would show up in these places. But um, 
like out there I was just always people were coming up to me and talking to me yeah. and here in Cape Town I don't think most people would just come up to talk to me when they see me with the bicycle yeah they just kind of so odd if that makes yeah sense. I'm not as odd yeah yeah, yeah. and so uh, again all I'm saying is just that's just experience not of course, of of no, course. but yeah uh, out there uh, like I said I would have people that just they would start talking to me and you know take me home for dinner and you know in fact the just the last place that I stayed I actually stayed in their daughter's bed um, and she slept with them in 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 their bed because they didn't have an extra bed but they wanted me to come home and you know things like that like that's just so nice so yeah. wonderful um, I would say my favorite or one of my favorite moments too was um, so Everybody warned me about bicycling through the Transkai area. Mm. Like, all them Afrikaners on the other side were very... They were just, no, don't go through that area. It's yeah. so dangerous, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, I think it'll be okay. And so I'm there and climbing up through the mountains. There were some pretty serious mountains. It was a cold, windy day. I remember it was so windy, I had to pedal downhill. Like, the bike wouldn't just roll downhill. Mm. And so I get over one of the uh, higher mountains, I come down, and all of a sudden I'm looking back up at another uphill. And I was just, just very, very tired, and I just yeah. don't even remember what I said or looked like, but I saw this little like hut, and I just was like, oh, can I sit down? And sat down. And I just kind of sat there for a couple of minutes. Like I think my eyes were even closed. I was just so trying to gain my energy again. And so she comes up to me with this, or this lady comes up to me with this big bag of fruit and she hands it to me and she goes, you need energy. And I was like, oh, thank you. I immediately start eating a banana, an apple, things like that. And then I pull out some money to go pay it. For mm. it. And she just goes, no, 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 no. You need energy. It's for you. And that was just so yeah. nice to me. Uh, I mean, this was a very small community for, for people that live in Cape Town. You yeah. know, the, this was definitely not looking like a city and you know it was a very very humbling experience i think yeah uh, so cool. usually you said people stop for you they'd be like where are you going and then they offer you a place to stay yeah. just out of curiosity what what type of people are this is it a diversity of everyone or people that understand cycling or they're supposedly cyclists as well no not at all uh, okay. everyone everyone, everyone. Yeah. uh i mean I've stayed with people, uh, you know, out in, in Zululand that didn't speak any English. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like tent, and they were like, yeah, you can come back. And um, I remember I went to, uh, I went to, the, it was, a, again, a small community, and I follow uh, this uh, kid home. Yeah. And he said I could stay with him. Not a little kid, but yeah. I say kid, he was younger than me. Yeah. And... Uh, so I go and I show up and then the the mother comes out and she's like I'm the leader of this little community here and she's like you know what are you doing and I explained to her I'm bicycling and she understood a little bit yeah. you know I mean obviously and she's like well you can stay here as long as you don't harm us <laughs> and again this might sound bad but I'm looking around thinking like me harm you yeah <laughs> How about the other way around, maybe? <laughs> uh, and again, it was so nice. And so she's just like, okay, you can stay here. Yeah. And uh, then she, she goes out and she gets me a pizza and comes back and she's like, here, I brought this for you. And I'm like, 
Oh. And I felt bad because I, I, I mean, I didn't want to be taking this pizza, yeah. but she got me pizza. I shared it with people, and uh, that was a nice night. Incredible. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so it literally just everybody, just all walks of life, um, you know. Uh, actually, right near right near Storms River, where we stopped, I went into this area called the Craigs, uh, and. Um, Great! I ended up spending two days there because it was just so much fun. But I uh, started talking with this guy. He walked around a couple places to find a spot that I could put up my tent. And finally we just decided that I would just sleep at the, like, I don't know, town... I don't know, it was like a community center. And so I say I'm going to uh, sleep at the community center. And the guy there is really cool. He lets me set up. And then he goes, oh, you met someone. I'm like, yeah. And he said we were going to go out and have a drink. And he's like, well... Can I meet him first? I want to make sure it's okay that you're walking around town with this guy. And, you know, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, just, you know, it'd be good if you don't stay out too late. And uh, sure enough, I did stay out too late. But the whole town ended up knowing about me, and they were all watching out for me. You know, anytime I needed to walk back to the community center, uh, you know, they would would get a couple people together to walk me back there and, uh, you know... Ended up, you know, staying with family, you know, stayed stayed a couple or two nights and we had a big pot and, you know, it's yeah. just a great time. You know, these stories are great because it probably takes some people out of fear, you know? 100%. A lot of 100%. people think, they think that if they just go a little bit out of town, everybody, everyone else is trying to hunt them, especially tourists. You know, they think that... Every everybody, local people trying to hunt them or steal from them. But that's not really the case, you know. People are just curious to meet new people everywhere. Yes. You know? Yes. If they know that you're, you're a new person there, you know, what they have is questions, conversations, and, and all that stuff. But there's a thing about just like, oh, don't go to this area. And then, I mean, of course, they, they are bad experiences. But that's, could ha- that can happen everywhere. You might say the numbers are high in some areas. I've, I've had... I've had much sketchy moments in the UK that I have here. You see. It, it, honestly, the sketchiest moment I had was uh, in in a store. I was in a spa or something or that. Yeah. Shop right, it might have been. And um, I'm ringing up my stuff mm. and all of a sudden I look down and she's she's scanning this, this bottle of soda. And I'm yeah. like, why? That's not mine. Mm. And then I look over and there's like this guy here and mm. he wasn't there two seconds ago. Mm. And I'm just like, you know, and he's just like, oh man, it's mine. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. how did you get here? What are you doing here? Please, this is not mine. Yeah. And he's like, just fucking pay for it. I'll give you the money. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, man, I don't have fucking time for this. Just pay for it. Here's the money. Go. I, I gotta go. Bye. And I go, <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him. I'm kind of like dumbfounded and yeah, everybody yeah. behind me in the yeah. line that he Waiting just he yeah. ran up in front of all of them just sat it down and no one was going to say anything to him and I'm just yeah. like what is going on and I'm just like fine man just take his get out of here and he, yeah. then he just looks at me and goes what'd you say and I'm like <laughs> I said nothing man thank yeah. you and you know he walked away I was that was my sketchiest moment really like, that was yeah. the sketchiest moment yeah and I was just but like, you cycled so all was the way that was in SA yeah yeah and you cycled all the way from Johannesburg to Cape Town. How many kilometers are they? 1,500 plus? 2,700. Oh, yeah. 2,000. Oh, yeah. 700 so far. Yeah. And that on, was on, the bi- on the bike, no cars used, nothing. No cars, nothing. 
but then people think if they just go, they just walk outside here. I, I mean, for the people listening, we're recording this in Zonneblum, which is actually in the city, right? I guess some people here, right before they go outside or go to the shop outside, they have to ask a lot of questions. Oh, they say they shouldn't walk out, blah, blah, blah. It's like, really, come on. It's yeah. not that bad. I mean, you know, I do certain rules. Like, obviously, I'm not walking around at night in yeah. places that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always inside. I always, you know, take advice from people. If they say, no, you can't camp here, I'm certainly yeah. not going to do it. Uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you obviously see who you listen to. If the people that live in that area actually tells you that. Yes. Yeah. Then I listen to Not them. reading on the off, like a tour guide website I mean, yeah definitely that's, that's a lot of bull listen to the people yeah and talk to the people just talk to the people right yeah yeah and now let's talk a little bit about couch surfing yeah what how long have you been doing it I mean I'm pretty sure it's been almost 10 years mm-hmm. uh, 9 or 10 years yeah and for people that don't know what couch surfing is it's a website where you can host low, uh, you can host Travelers, when someone is traveling to a new area, you can they can ask you on the website or, or an app if they can stay with you for a couple of nights and days, and you say yes if you want to host them for free. They don't have to pay anything. You give them your couch. They live there. They stay there for a couple of days or nights or even one night. And then, yeah, you get references, recommendations. You can do the same as well if you go to a different city. So you can almost travel for free, right? Yeah. So instead of living at a hotel or staying at a backpacker, sometimes you can just use your couch surfing. So what has been your your best experience with couch surfing or your worst experience? Maybe the best is difficult to, to point out. But I don't know if I have a best. I can tell you some of my craziest experiences. Yeah. Let's go there. Um, I was in I was living in Guatemala at the time and. Uh, so I had this huge apartment, this huge apartment in Guatemala, and so I could bring in couch surfers like, mm. all day long. I had so, so much space for them. And I took in this couple uh, from Scotland that had, <laughs> they were hitchhiking the entire Pan American Highway. Mm-hmm. So they started in Alaska, and they started like right at the Arctic Circle and um, uh, came down. So they landed in Anchorage, and they had to hitchhike 600 miles north to, to where the road stops. And then they started hitchhiking back down so they could make it all the way to Tierra del Fuego. And their goal was to do it all, only hitchhiking. And so they came into to my town and she, the, the girl, she had hurt her ankle. And so she ended up staying like five days just resting up and you know just basically hanging out to, to get better. And they were a lot of fun, you know, hung out with them and whatnot. And so then seven months later, uh, I'm in uh, I'm in the Guatemalan airport. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm on the plane. And the guy next to me is like shaking and all nervous. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, man, is this your first time flying? Mm-hmm. He's like, no. And I'm like, well, what's the problem? You know, and basically he's just afraid of the U.S. immigration because mm. U.S. immigration is assholes especially if you're a Latino yeah. uh, I mean they're assholes to everybody they're assholes to me yeah. and, but they're especially assholes if you're a Latino yeah. he had a visa he had been to the United States before he didn't speak any English yeah. but um, you know 
he was just really nervous because they always love to tell people, you know, just because you have a visa doesn't mean we'll let you into our country. Oh. Um, love to tell you the story about how me and my girlfriend of two years tried to get a tourist visa in the United States and uh-huh. did not. Okay. Uh, yeah. Traveling in the United States is a privilege, not not given to, to many people. All right. Uh, and so anyways, so start talking to him, you know, and we're just chatting up for a while. Now we're both in the Miami airport waiting on our connections. Mm-hmm. And uh, just he just looks at me when, you know, I picked up two hitchhikers once. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. You know, we just start talking about him. And he's like, yeah, they had this dream of hitchhiking all the Americas. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, really? And so we started talking. And I'm like, where are they from? And he's like, Scotia? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Scotland? What? And uh, so turns out, that we both had interacted with the same couple. I was near the uh, Mexican border. He was near the Salvadorian border. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were some 10 hours apart or so, and we both happened to have uh, interacted with this couple. Yeah. I will tell you a little bit of a story about that kind of story. Uh, I went to Durban for, for a week, and then there was a couchsurfing evening event, just people meeting up in the couchsurfing community. And then I, as the IRSVPDS, yes, I'm going to go to the event. I'm, I'm going, and I was uh, staying at the backpackers. Then later on in the evening, uh, in the dorm that I was uh, staying in, we were like, there were no people there, like me and my friend. So the, another girl came in. She's from Sweden. Yeah, she's Swedish, but Iranian originally. So then we just started talking, blah, blah. It's like, oh, so what I'm going to do at night? It's just going to be... Uh, there's an event happening tonight at blah 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 I'm like the couchsurfing one she's like yeah how did you know <laughs> then we ended up going back to, going there together and came back then that night we hang out and I, I left the next day but it was just like it's really small world you know it is it was like a 10 people couchsurfing meeting but like out of those 10 we managed to meet each other outside of like anything else I was like what are the odds man it's really interesting. I love it. Uh, it's just every experience is just so different. You never know what you're going to get. And, you know, they're just so much fun. Uh, yeah. They're just so much fun. And, yeah, my favorite thing. You, you, uh, you ever had a worse experience that, like, you, you would not recommend? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I ever had a worse experience. Um, no. Uh, oh, that's all, good. all of my experiences were really good. Um mm-hmm. Everybody was just always been so nice. Uh, some of them were still good friends today. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot still. Um, no, no bad experiences. Right. And I usually try to accept people. Like if I'm hosting, I usually, or if I'm, even if I'm surfing, I always mm-hmm. try to find people with you know very few references. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and new, new, new people. Mm-hmm. I love, I love getting to be the first experience of someone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much fun. Uh, so yeah, that's a good thing. And then even even just uh, in PE, uh, I I messaged this girl and she was like brand new. Like I mean, her profile had just been completed, and I was just like, hey, you know. And she didn't she didn't really feel comfortable yet, like you know, hosting. She obviously she was seemed like she was planning on a trip or whatever. So we ended up uh, you know still meeting for. Uh, we met for lunch or something mm-hmm. and you know it was just kind of show her hey you know friends like really cool people you should totally do this and accept people because right. and so I, I like to think I, I won a new new person to couch surfing 
Yeah, couch surfing is incredibly fun. I knew nothing about it before I moved in with Greg. I had, I had absolutely no idea. And he was like, okay, can this guy coming to, we're hosting a guy. He's um, coming for a few days. Guy from Austria. And I was like, I'm an open minded person, I've travelled. So I'm like, you know, fuck it, like, it's nice. I enjoy meeting new people, I enjoy trading stories. Also, I apologise, I swear a lot. That's um, right. So this dude came in, t- came over, his name's Andy uh, from Austria. Shout out Andy if he's listening. Yeah, he's, de- he's definitely going to listen to Shout out Andy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's ended up staying for a fucking month. But I mean, like, not, not a, in a bad way at all. Uh, and it completely, completely changed my mind. Not changed my mind, I wasn't. I wasn't against couchsurfing anyway, but I was definitely apprehensive. Then that experience completely changed my mind about it, and I very much enjoy hosting. Yeah, man, it's, and he's like a good friend to all of us, you know. He invited me to 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 his place when I want to. So probably I'm, I'm going to go to Austria next year. Yeah, and, you know that's incredible. Good. We stayed together for the whole month, and the, to the time that he left, he's like you know it's like a very close friend now. We talk. Cool guy. Yeah. You know, all kinds of um, I love it for that reason. Yeah. And, you know, on that subject, even so much, I remember I was listening to a podcast just recently on tolerance and mm. tolerating people and how the most, the best thing you can do is just, just share an experience with someone and it will change your opinion about yeah. just so many so things. So true. And we very rarely, you know, with our enemies, quote unquote, uh, we we have so few experiences with them that you know it's very easy to to feel that way about them. Yeah. And if you just just have one experience, um, actually one of my one of my best friends in Japan, um, she uh, she had never done couch surfing, and I remember I kept I got more requests than I could ever accept. Yeah, you know I mean sometimes it seems. Nobody was accepting people but me, and mm. so you know I'm getting just all these requests, and I can't accept them all. And so some of them I'd try to find other, like friends that would take them, and I you know I'd ask all my friends around and you know give them an extra space. And so this one girl, she, I asked her, and she was like, "No, no, I mean I love when you have couch surfers, but I I don't think I really want that for myself." Mm. And so I I just every time I had a new surfer, I would invite her over as yeah. well. I'd cook, everybody'd be happy, and you know, just get a more experience. Finally, someone came. I'm like, you should host him. She's yeah. like, okay. And now, I mean, she's hosted so many people. Wow. Uh, and so again, I can't even remember what people we've had. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can re- yeah. remember the number as well. It's yeah. like it's incredible. And when I tell people about that, that somebody's coming, sometimes people arrive when I'm not around at mm-hmm. home. Then I just have to arrange the security. The ex person will come and they leave the keys, blah blah blah, and people are like. Why do you, why do you allow this to happen to your house? I mean, I really don't have fear for people. I Maybe trust that if somebody who is coming fear. in, you know, it's like everybody's just coming to have a good time. I, no, I don't have, I don't have to suspect anyone no. for anything yes. unless they give me a reason for it. Yes, you know? and uh, agreed. With all the people that I've had, uh, we host people here with Canaan all the time now. You know, and we never had anything. No. I mean, the, the, we've had no problems at all. I mean, we don't we don't expect people to do anything for us, but, but yeah. we've had people cook for us. Yeah. Had people clean the flat, top yeah. to bottom, and we're not here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, we we both work very very hard. We both come home very late. It's nice to come home to people, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, very nice. It's yeah. nice to come it home is, to it is. And we nice we listen to a lot of stories all the time. It's like 
these are the, are the stories that we, the experiences that you have had, I would never have the same. And just to listen to the stories, you know, you learn a lot from this. Thing. It helps you learn. It helps you decide what you want to do. So true. It, it, it helps inspire you. you. Yeah. People aren't really that different. No. Globally. So true. Yeah. People no. really aren't that bloody different. One thing People that I want was, to have a conversation. Yeah. Want to have a nice meal. Yeah. Want to have a laugh. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's everyone. Mm-hmm. You know. And what I've noticed now is like. Uh, to the set, to a certain age, people from every type of culture or countries or continent, whatever, everybody is trying to, to connect. Every, people want to feel connected, learn yes. about the new cultures. They yes. don't, they're trying to break the differences that we have, we currently have among people, you know? Yes. And such a wonderful yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing that even couch surfing allows that to happen as well. You know, travel is just, has changed a lot of most people actually say that, you know, since they traveled, like, the, the way they see things. Travel, is the, chain, yeah. travel is the only awesome. thing you can buy yeah. that makes you richer. Exactly. Yes. yes. What, what do you think uh, of America right now? How do you see it after five years of not being there? Well, again, five years of not being there. Um, I can tell you about how I feel when I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Although you do see a few Americans out here, the vast majority of them aren't traveling outside of the United States. And uh, so I really feel there's like this big American bubble and a lot of people like to stay in it. And again, just like you might think couch surfing is weird, most Americans think everybody outside is weird. Like yeah. just everybody outside that bubble yeah. must yeah. be these, they have these you know perceptions. And so if they spend zero time, like, most Americans will will go their entire lives never seeing a backpacker. They'll never yeah. see anybody with a backpack. Yeah. Uh, and so most people just grow up their whole lives this way. They have no experience with it. So they, they have these crazy ideas about what the world is like. And so I consider that a big, big problem with America. And to me, America needs a lot of work. And mm-hmm. I think traveling can help a lot of uh, fix a lot of those problems mm. I completely uh, agree yeah you know uh, our ideas about healthcare or gun control yeah. if if those people could just go outside and realize no one else has these problems yeah, 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 yeah. what are we doing wrong no one, uh, no one else you would think uh, yeah literally no one else is having these yeah, problems yeah. Uh, you would think that uh, they could make some changes yeah. I, could, I completely agree with you in terms of the bubble yeah. London's the same UK's exactly the same yeah. we live in a in a very UK set in England's a very English England centric yeah. society in terms of it doesn't really look out it looks inwards the same as America looks inwards it's like they're, they're quasi superpowers they're not superpowers anymore yeah. and you realise that when you leave there yeah. and you realise how how we might be a million times forward in terms yeah. of technology but we're so far backwards in terms of human interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And those and, and in those countries, the countries with a very good currency, that it's very easy for the people from there to travel. Like in America, if you have the US dollar, how much money do you need to just get out of there? You know, ah. Very little. Yes. For an American average yes. person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of backpacking, uh, what would you say is your best, your favorite backpacker after traveling for all this time? My favorite backpacker. Yeah, backpackers. Ooh, I very rarely stay in backpackers. Okay. Um, mostly couch surfing. Mostly couch surfing or tenting or, tenting or <laughs> meeting people. Uh, 
Very, very rarely stand backpackers. Um, you know, in... I don't want to sound ridiculous when I say this, but for instance, in my five months in New Zealand, I never once paid to to sleep. Really? Uh, never once. Uh, and same thing in Japan. I, I never When I traveled, I never once paid... Uh, and so, yeah, I very rarely am staying in backpackers. Uh, so I don't really have a lot of experience mm. with them. So, to we actually almost at the end now. Okay. Um, I was about to ask about uh, how often do you talk to your family right now? Ooh. Well, I talk pretty often. Um, I talk with my family uh, through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably talk to my mother maybe two times a week or so. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so I do that. The last time we actually Skyped was right before I left Japan. And so that's usually when we actually talk on the phone, but we're always communicating uh, through Facebook. Okay. So pretty much is, continuously, I would say. Who is like your closest person? Your mother in your life? Who is the closest? Uh, no. Uh-huh. Who, who do you talk to the most? Ooh. Um, you know, uh, that person changes a little bit. Um, there was a time, you know, where right now I would say one of my friends in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, actually th- that girl Alexis that mm-hmm. uh, is now couchsurfing, mm-hmm. we talk pretty uh, frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, uh, yeah. Just people that I've met, other travelers are usually who I talk to because they're the only people that I can really relate to much anymore. Um, all right. And so, yeah, I mean, of course, I do talk with my mother all the time, mm. but I wouldn't say uh, it's close. So, living this kind of life, mm-hmm. doesn't it feel sometimes that you, you need, just as most people do, like even myself, I kind of need a base? place I can maybe travel around but I kind of need a place where I can just get back and I can stay there for a couple of days without thinking of the dynamics where am I where am I gonna go tomorrow just like stability you never feel like that anymore no absolutely I need that Mm. Um, and so again that's why I'm looking at couch surfing right now like and hanging out in Cape Town for a little bit because yeah you every you know little bit on the road you just need to find some way to you know, make peace and, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. I feel that sometimes. Um, if I'm on the the road on the bicycle, I usually won't get more than one day. And so if it's, if someone offers and it just seems like I'm in that mood, yeah, I absolutely will stay longer. Um, and again, it's one of those, just like we were talking about on loneliness and not talking with people. You also, it's really about, riding with the wave and so you need to understand that okay you know right now I do feel like I'm a little off center Mm. I would really love to just have a home base for a couple of days but I don't have it yet when I do find that spot Mm. I will take full advantage of it and so just you know get me through a little bit longer and then once I'm at that right spot then I'll take a break for a couple of days and feel good again how do you escape from reality a little bit you know um I don't like to escape from reality too often. I love being a part of reality. Uh, I certainly do when I'm riding. It can get a little 
a bit much, and so I'll do listen to podcasts, things like yeah. that, while I'm writing, um, and that always helps. Um, yeah. Okay. You you explained to me uh, a story about your friends that play kind of a game somewhere. That they, oh. yeah, they can just you know just be don't think about anything else. Okay. To so in a moment. I I love thinking, uh, and so that's like. And again, that must be the difference between... I personally, I love exploring and uh, yeah. daydreaming and things like yeah. that. And um, so I had uh, this one friend in Japan and um, she used to always... We get in arguments sometimes because uh, we, we dated a little bit. Mm. And she would tell me she she liked... Like, because I wasn't reality. Mm. And so she always used to say, I like to escape reality, and you like reality. And so she would always tell me this, you like reality, I like to escape reality. And, um, you know, so when, when I got into more about seeing it, you know, for instance, she, she when she was, like, just so stressed out from work or whatever, she would go to play pachinko. Mm. And it's this, like, weird gambling pinball-type game. And... I can't even tell you that I understood it. All I knew was you just you turn this knob until you get this little like sweet spot of balls just keep flying around and they're going where they're supposed to and you know just they're bouncing off things and so there's all these lights flashing every time it bounces things are going off and then when you get a few inside the basket all of a sudden this anime goes on and you know you see fighting or swords or games and I don't know it was so loud I couldn't think I mean, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't think. It was to me, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, and I was just like, kept looking at her. Can we please go? Can we please go? And she kept putting more money in. I'm like, stop. Yeah. So finally, we make it out, and I'm like, that was a, a horrible experience. Mm. Why would you ever do that? And she's like, you know, it just it's great because you can't think. And I'm yeah. like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like that sounds like a terrible thing, yeah. but uh, so that is. Uh, that is the impression I get in, in Japan. They they want to escape by not thinking. Yeah. And me, I like to escape thinking even deeper. That's yeah. like my favorite thing. Uh, so I certainly love you know smoking a joint and just yeah. wandering for a while. Uh, it's a great place to be. Yeah. So do you want to say? Do you want to recommend gear? Like what kind of stuff you carry around when you travel that you can recommend to other people? I recommend the lightest thing and the least amount possible. Um, so, for instance, when you're when you're going to do one of these long trails, they always say, "Okay, go through your stuff and get everything that you absolutely say you must have." Okay, now go ahead and cut that in half, and right. that should be how much you carry. Mm. And so, I I think in all of life, your Luggage, your baggage that you carry just weighs you down. So yeah. be as light and minimal as possible. Carry the least amount. And for all those people that are saying, well, but what happens if this happens? I'm going to want this. And if I do this, I'm going to want this. My answer is no. You will do less things because you have so much to carry that you won't be able to do all the things you want to. Go as light as possible and you'll be able to do everything. Right. So... When you showed up here, all you have right now is exactly what you have. Yes, that's everything in my life. <laughs> you came with a, your bicycle, with your sleeping bag. Is it, it's a mat. Yep. You tied it on the bike. And with a plastic bag, where you have the, the bag inside it. Yeah. And what else? Uh, I have 
I have my tent. I have yeah. my sleeping bag. I have my cycling clothes. Mm. I have my town clothes. Yeah. And I have a, a small uh, cooker yeah. and pot. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. How many pairs of shoes do you have? I just have my one cycling shoes. That's and then it. I have a pair of sandals as well. Flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's rough. <laughs> Yeah, just my We're not doing shit, bro. We need to get out of there. Bro, maybe we live in Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're actually living it right, bro. Uh, again, when I when I walked my four months through New Zealand, I carried less than four kilos, uh, mm. and so that is just I eat more than four kilos a day. Mm. Oh, sorry, that wasn't including food. Food was obviously more, but mm. um, yeah, just just a tent. I had no change of clothes at that point. I mm. didn't need a change of clothes. I was never in town. So I just had the clothes on my back, my sleeping bag, my tent, and my pot. And that was it. Ah. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're gonna, uh, you can found, find out more in part two of this. Still with Brian. How do you pronounce his surname? Fletcher. Oh, Brian Fletcher. Yes. Nice. Cool. See you, everyone, in the second part of this. Cheers.